0: Still the night. Churros. brigadeiro, Calzone. Apple Trade Sui chu and mash. Toad in the hole. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My name is David Martins, and I'm the executive chef for the European Union Embassy in Washington, D.C. And my guests today, they have two passions, food and writing. They are the creators of Spilled Milk, a comedy show podcast about food. Starting in 2010, every episode, they debate a food-related topic and run with it as far as they can go. She's the author of three best-selling books, Delancey, A Man, A Woman, A Restaurant, A Marriage, The second book is titled A Homemade Life, and last year she released a memoir, The Fixed Stars, and a James Beard Award-winning blog for Orange Jet*. She has written for several magazines and newspapers, from Washington Post to Bon Appetit. He's a writer and comedian. He's the author of the young adult novel, Our Secret Better Lives, and four nonfiction books, including Hungry Monkey and pretty good number one, An American Family Eats Tokyo. He has also contributed for different magazines and newspapers, such as the Wall Street Journal and Gourmet Magazine. And this was probably the longest introduction ever of my (laughs) guest, but completely worth it. Molly Weisenberg and Matthew Amster Burton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us. Ran out of here.
0: Okay, so, (laughs) (laughs) difficult to do this. Two important questions before we start. Have you been to Portugal?
2: Never,
1: never. I wish. No,
2: don't yeah, say that. Sounds
0: good. You had plenty of opportunities in your life.
1: It's true. It's you went.
0: True. You were just. You were in France, Molly, right? Yes. Yes. I spent that a lot of little time long, little later? Okay. Perfect. Have you been to Spain?
1: I've not been to Spain,
0: Matthew.
2: No, nope, never Perfect, to Spain because normally
0: only people go to Spain and skip Portugal. So at least I'll give you that. Do you know okay. any por- Do you know any Portuguese you know, producer
2: words? producer Abby, producer of our podcast, has been to Portugal and loved it. She right?
0: told me She told me she loves Portugal. Yes. Okay. She did tell me that. Do you know any Portuguese words?
1: Oh, I'm sure I do food related words, um, but actually, I'm scared to say them for fear that what I actually know are <laughs> Spanish words.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Madeira, Madeira. <laughs> Do you know like of, uh,
1: b- what about like ba- bac- bacalao or bacalao. something? Like, there you go. The yeah. Okay. Cards. Yes. There we go. A,
0: a very famous word, and actually comes from Portugal. is tempura.
1: Oh, oh really?
0: I, yeah, we're the did ones. We're yes. the ones that they adopted the word from us because when we were there back in the day. So anyway, we're just very good. Okay. I believe there are two types of people that loves foods, foodies and eaters. Foodies like to eat their avocado on toast for brunch and eaters like to go to a small joint and eat like 100 wings in 10 minutes.
2: Are you guys foodies or eaters? <laughs> I I reject the dichotomy. I feel like I have both of those within me.
1: I I do, too, because I would say that most days I'm an eater, but more on the side of like just really enjoying eating whatever I'm eating.
0: Okay. Yeah. How did you two meet?
1: So, uh, wow, this is super nerdy. Get ready. And it's been almost 20. years yeah. i think. perfect. So, back in like the early 2000s, there was this online food forum called E-Gullet where all sorts of foodies and eaters in your dichotomy would um would hang out and talk about stuff and Matthew was like a leader in our region. He was like a a host of this forum in our region. And we both wound up at a like Chocolate tasting party. God, yeah. this is so precious. I hate this story more every time I tell it. Matthew, take over.
2: <laughs> uh, we went to this chocolate tasting party and uh, tasted some pretty mediocre homemade chocolates. Oh, uh, harsh, and, Matthew. Uh, I, I don't think we. I don't think we really got to know each other. That was just like the first time we met.
1: I was very intimidated by Matthew, and because he at that point was writing for like magazines and newspapers somehow I thought that he was much older than me I mean also he had like the facial hair of wisdom <laughs> and I, mean, sure, uh, I am
2: much older than you I think I'm like three years three
1: older years you. older than me he much anyway. older yes <laughs> but yeah somehow you know I was like in my early 20s and I just thought that Matthew was like this super established food journalist. Little did I know.
2: Know how the tables have turned.
1: Uh, Anyway and then um, we sort of bumped into each other around town at various like Seattle food and or writing things and uh, Matthew had the idea for us to do a podcast together. Like, I think we started talking about it in 2009 and we didn't even know each other very well.
2: Yeah, no. And the I had the idea because I was writing for Gourmet magazine. I was a contributing editor there. And it folded very suddenly and went out of business. And I was like, "Okay, I have no job now. I need to like do something different." And so I uh, sent an email to my uh, acquaintance Molly and said, "Do you want to do a podcast together?" Because we had we had talked enough that I knew we could be funny together, but it took us a long time to really figure out how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And why the decision? So to choose one thing and go from there. What was the alignment in
2: your head when you started the podcast? Oh, gosh, I was I was a fan of comedy podcasts and wanted to do a comedy podcast about food.
1: Yeah, I I think of you, Matthew, as as being a much earlier adopter to podcasts than I was. And so I I think at the time that you reached out to me, I was like, number one, I, I don't really understand what podcasts are. And number two, I don't think I'm very funny. And number three, I don't know you really (laughs) but i said don't talk with me yeah uh number four i'm blocking your email address um no but uh for whatever reason i think it's i think i was like really flattered that you saw this like potential to be funny in me and now look at us
2: and the
0: rest is history right yeah 11
2: years later that's true
0: it's okay my mom she still thinks every time i tell her i'm you know i was recording in an interview for for the podcast she always thinks i'm on tv
2: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: She's yep. like yep. very like, so wait, <laughs> do you have audience there? I, I give up already a year <laughs> after. I just give up to try to explain. But yeah, you both have backgrounds in writing and you both have that's written and study about food. How does your past influence your relationship with food today?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So I grew up in a house full of cookbooks because um, my, my mother, who is a good home cook, is a great cookbook collector. Okay. Uh, and uh, her collection isn't as big as it used to be. She's, she's weeded it down. But when I was a kid, there, there were thousands of cookbooks in the house, quite literally. And so if I was interested in learning about a certain kind of food or trying to cook something, there would be a cookbook in the home library ready to go. So I, re- I remember uh, Molly and I recently did a chili episode. And uh, when I told my mom I was interested in making chili, she said, here's the book. It was called Chili Badness. It had like 100 chili recipes in it. I picked a recipe. She bought the the ingredients, we made it together. And uh, so like, you know, I definitely credit credit my mom for sparking my interest in food. And like, that's still kind of my relationship with food. If I'm interested in something, I will find a book and read the book and cook something.
1: So I grew up in Oklahoma, which is not exactly known for um, for its great cuisine but my parents were so my dad was originally from toronto and had grown up in a family of polish immigrants and my mom was from baltimore and both of them i mean i think something that that was a part of their relationship from the very beginning was a real love of food like especially all this like baltimore stuff that they ate when they were growing up or not growing up but when they were dating like shad roe and you know crab cakes and Anyway, so I grew up in this family of East Coast transplants to Oklahoma, and home cooking was a huge part of our family life, I think, because, well, my parents believed that we could eat. My dad used to say this, and it used to drive me crazy. He used to say that we ate better at home than most people did in restaurants, and I was mortified by this. (laughs) But I but I now think that like it, it's why I became so interested in food because my parents took such care with it and it was such a part of ordinary life for us, cooking and eating together.
0: Growing up, so you said you had a lot of cooking going on at home. What was the thing that your mom or your dad used to make that was really good?
1: Oh, man. Um, so I have to say... I know this is like just such an ordinary thing, but my dad made an incredible hamburger. Like that dude took real care in like what butcher shop he went to and like, you know, how much fat was in the meat. So it'd be nice and juicy hand formed patties. He was a big fan of, of very rare beef and um, God, I, I, I wish my dad's been gone for almost 20 years and I, I wish I could eat one of his burgers now as an adult, because even as a kid, I knew they were like very special.
2: Mm-hmm. My mom was a a master of roast chicken and I, I did not appreciate it at the time in like a, you know, picky eating kid kind of way. But like I could see like she was good at it in the way that somebody who like roasts a chicken once a week is is good at it and would just like refine a little bit every time and was always like cooked and seasoned perfectly.
0: Yeah, I think roasted chicken is very underrated. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, roasted chicken is good.
1: I almost, so Matthew, I, I didn't know this about your mom. I almost said the same thing for my dad. I was torn. Oh, I was, I I was afraid you were going to
2: say it. I could, I could see, I was yeah. looking in your eye. And like, don't say roast chicken. Don't say roast <laughs> chicken. <laughs> you both
0: wrote books exploring food and its relationship to culture. In Molly's case, we were just talking about France, and Matt's case in Japan. Why did you decide to take this approach?
1: Mm, Matthew?
2: So for me, I had already written a book about uh, like uh, feeding my kid and, uh, you know, parenting and food. Um, and then we took this family trip to Japan uh, when my kid, December, was eight uh, and spent a month in Tokyo. And uh, it was, you know, it was one of those real like life changing experiences that uh, is uh You know, very, very boring when when like a white guy tells you about how he had a life changing experience in Japan, but it also true. And the thing that struck me was the way just like the everyday, like fast food, you know, inexpensive restaurant food and home cooking was done at an absurdly high level of quality compared to anywhere I'd ever been before and that's so that's what I wanted to capture in my book because you know there were lots of good books about Japanese food already but not a lot about about like you know everyday what they call BQ like uh, B level food you know ramen and tonkatsu and uh, and dumplings and things that can when done well which they almost always are in Japan can just you know make make everyday life so much better
1: so yeah you know when I started, I was originally I thought I was going to be a cultural anthropologist, and that was what I went to grad school for. And when I left, when I decided to leave grad school, I think I thought that I was I was going to do something completely different. I was going to go be a food writer, which seemed so frivolous in comparison um, to me at that time but the more that i wrote about food and as i you know sort of crept up on writing my first book what i realized is that food felt like this natural and just readily available lens for looking at my life and and the you know the the micro world that i find myself embedded in and you know it seems so obvious to me now but at the at the time You know, they're just, there weren't you know, blogs were new and I was blogging and that felt like just an extension of my love for sort of the rituals of everyday life and everyday home cooking. And so it felt really natural to take this writing rhythm that I was doing on a blog where I was writing both about everyday life and and food and to sort of turn it into a book where I could contemplate more deeply my family and particularly. Um, losing my dad to cancer when I was in my 20s.
0: Yeah. How do these experiences influence you and what you bring to the podcast?
1: Mm. Well, you know, like <laughs> I've always loved to write about like the stuff that is hard for a lot of us to talk about in, you know, in ordinary life, whether it's like uh, death or marriage or divorce or sexuality. I have always been somebody who uses food as a way of get, uh, of sneaking up on a conversation about more difficult things. And mm-hmm. I never thought of the role that humor could play in this or the fact that in my everyday life, I really value humor. Like I am drawn to people who, who have an incredible sense of humor. And I think that the podcast in many ways kind of helped me identify that in my writing and pull it out more in my writing. I feel like I've like working with Matthew and this friendship that we have had through this podcast has made me a funnier person and a funnier writer.
2: Yeah. I think for me, like, you know, humor is the primary lens through which I see the world. Like, you know, the, the world is a very sad place a lot of the time, but it's also a very silly place at the same time. And like, you know, we've we've kind of worked on the podcast to sort of find that balance. Like I you know, that, that can be like a bad thing for sure. Like, you know, that sometimes like I have trouble like accessing like real emotions because I'm always looking for the joke. I think this is something that a lot of comedians can identify with, but I think like, you know, through, through working with Molly, who is very good at like, you know, accessing those, those difficult parts of herself and of life in general. Like we, I think we we're like achieving this balance on the podcast where now like I am not as afraid to get into something serious because I know we will be able to treat it with both humor and respect in the right balance Mm
1: -hmm. and and I will help pull you back out of it
2: exactly
0: (laughs) I agree man I think every situation even can be the the saddest day like a funeral or something but you can always find a way to turn that a little bit and be like hey there's the glass half full you know you can always find a, a fun part in in even in the the darkest times but are there any plans in the future on exploring more these th- concepts further the connection with culture and food
2: yeah um yeah. we have been doing that more on the podcast recently like we're we're kind of stepping out into areas where like you know i think there have been like some some cuisines and dishes where like we felt like we were not really equipped to talk about it or like we're not the right people to talk about it but also Don't have a lot of practice having guests on the podcast. It is, it's primarily just a two hosts in conversation podcast. So like one project we've set for ourselves, uh, you know, starting last year and ongoing is to try and get a guest on the show about once a month to, uh, to talk about a topic that we wouldn't have been able to do justice to otherwise.
0: I mean, if you ever want to speak about Portuguese food, I know these.
2: You people. know, that's, that's an interesting, yes. I actually
1: know this very amazing chef
0: talking about Portuguese food, uh, speaking about <laughs> other food cultures <laughs> and all of that. So when you think about Portuguese food, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: Mm. Uh, well, God, for me, salt cod, really.
0: Port. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's actually, and it's funny because we're a coastal country and our salted cod comes from Norway. Really? Yeah, we eat. I mean, eighty-five percent of all the seafood we have, we eat. It's out from our coast. Salted uh-huh. cod comes from the Vikings' times. It and we just, they. Do, I mean, they're not in our waters. So for us to get the codfish, we <laughs> yeah. have to get it from Norway.
1: So I didn't fascinating. Know this. See, this is one, amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, what? So, what does that food tells you about my culture? If you could say something. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs>
1: There's dear. no right
2: answer to that God, question.
0: Yeah. Of course, you can say whatever you want.
1: Well, that uh, uh, I'm just gonna say something really broad, like um, like your culture or 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 your food is maybe really well, but all foods I think sit at like the intersection of many like trade routes, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean,
2: did you know, Molly, that that the salted cod in Portugal comes from Norway? (laughs) Sorry, this
0: wasn't a good question, but anyway, no, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, So, (laughs) shifting the conversation a little bit, both of you can go to an island. Not okay. same, I mean, I guess you can go to the same island, but different times. You can take, is there an island that you really like on top of your head that you can imagine? Okay. Which, which okay if
2: we're going to the same island at different times, though, I want you to clean up before, before you leave the island and I get there. Okay. Is,
0: there okay, an, okay. is there an island, Molly, that you really love that you visit or you <clears throat> dying to go? Is there any place that you were like, yes, I want to go there?
1: So my spouse and I went to Greece for the first time in mm-hmm. 2018 okay. and we spent eight days on Milos, which is one of the, um, one of the Kiklades. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Milos for me. Matt,
0: how about you?
2: So I'm not sure it, the, what came to mind is Kyushu in Japan, but I don't know if that really counts as an Island because it's very large.
1: It's okay. It uh, it's Okay.
0: Whatever. Yeah, it counts. All
2: right.
1: What's so surrounded you, by water on all sides. It is That's surrounded it by water on
2: all sides. That's
0: definition. There you go. You can take one protein, one veggie, one fruit, and one dessert. What do you take? Okay.
1: Oh dear. Okay. Should we go back uh, and forth.
2: You can. I mean, you can. Okay, my
1: protein is. I'm taking meatballs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I expected. I love it.
1: I'm taking meatballs.
2: As you do. Okay. Two for for kind of a
1: vegetable. Lunch? Mm-hmm. For, yeah. Yeah. For a vegetable. I mean, yeah. the, the nice thing is, is that I could think I can find meatballs there if I can have one other no, person. There's there nothing
0: there. There's no oh, there's
1: nothing. Well, I'm taking okay. meatballs anyway.
0: Yeah. The meatball. I got it. So how about okay. how about the veggie? Okay. <laughs>
1: um, uh, you know, I'm going to take. Can, can I can I bring like a whole vegetable dish like Molly, don't, don't
0: you start? It's, it's very simple. Oh, my question. God.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I, want, I'm,
0: I know English is my wanna... second language. It's very It's very simple. <laughs> One vegetable you can take. OK, I didn't okay. say a platter of vegetables.
1: OK, I want sauteed spinach with olive oil and garlic. Taking that. OK, what are my other things? I've I've got my protein. I've got my vegetable. I know I can have dessert. What else do I get to have?
0: So you get so what, what it was sautéed what, sorry? Uh what did you just say? Uh spinach. Okay. So you yeah. take spinach because you're already doing the whole dish. So you take spinach with you. Okay. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. The fruit. Yep,
1: sure. Ah, oh, the fruit. Oh the god. Fruit. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take raspberries, like so many raspberries. Okay. Yeah.
0: And a dessert.
1: Okay, and a dessert. I am taking chocolate malted milkshakes.
2: <laughs> I,
1: I I like it. I'm okay. gonna be living.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. How about you, Matt?
2: OK, for my protein, I'm going to be like super cutting edge. I'm going to choose chicken. Oh, OK.
1: Wow. Specific um, there, Matthew. <laughs> yes.
2: And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make it chicken thighs if I have to.
1: OK, OK. Bone in, skin on.
2: Bone in, skin on. Yeah. OK, I mean, because then I, I get like bone I to,
0: to cook it. anyway. So I great. need to.
2: Mm-hmm. For the vegetable, like I got to I got to say, like, it's the, the vegetable that like, you know, during the pandemic, we felt like if we ran out of them, like we were in big trouble, yellow onions. Okay. Okay. Uh, The fruit. This is a tough one. I'm not a. I'm not a big fruit person. Perfect. Um, Like it's not that I dislike fruit. It's just like never the thing that I think of. So probably I'm going to say apples. But I. I think really like there's probably like a tropical fruit like a good mango or papaya that I would get tired of less quickly. Okay. And the desserts. And for dessert, I'm going to say a chocolate malted milkshake.
1: Ah. Cheers, Matthew, we
2: really are the best. I mean, it, it would be it would be dishonest of me to say anything else. And I don't I don't think you started this podcast to be for dishonesty. No, I no, That's true.
0: What was your first memory of taste?
2: Oh, wow. OK, so I, I think I know mine. So this would be when I was in preschool and I, I've definitely told this story before, but I um I came home from preschool, uh, probably age four to, to tell my mom so excitedly that we had had a cheese for snack and this cheese was so delicious. And could she ask my teacher, Joan, what the cheese was so we could get it at home. And the answer to the question was mild cheddar.
0: Okay.
1: Love it. Love it. Um, you know, for some reason, what's coming to mind for me is um, tuna salad with celery. Okay, like fine. I remember my mom making, you know, canned tuna like packed in water with Hellman's or best food mayonnaise and, you know, finely chopped celery. And my mom had these like Tupperwares that I think she probably got at like a legit Tupperware party in the early 80s. And I I remember the flavor and even the sound of my fork, like scraping the bottom of of these little orange Tupperwares and oh man, ah, uh, my mom's tuna salad with celery. Yeah. Okay. That's good.
0: Most underrated
2: ingredient. Most underrated ingredient. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say scallions. That's been the other thing that like we have to have mass quantities of them in the house, or I'm going to feel worried that the apocalypse is <laughs> encroaching because I will put them in and on Everything they're like two different vegetables in one because the white and light green parts are are much crunch crunchier and uh, you know more intensely flavored and then uh, the more feathery green parts make make a great garnish both for color and flavor and texture. Uh, that's that's my answer. Did you get
0: that from Japan, for instance, or no? Before did you um, use a lot of green onions or no?
2: I think I think I was already already a green onion person before I, before the first time I went to Japan, but it it definitely didn't hurt.
1: I'm gonna go with butter. I'm going to go with butter, both, you know, in, in its baking context. I mean, butter is like, you know, uh, of course, we we all know that it's important and I think we probably all keep it around. But like, I think that it's easy to lose sight of like all it does in savory cooking, too, in terms of like mounting sauces or I mean, I think of Marcella Hazan's incredible tomato sauce with butter and onion. I'm going to go with butter.
0: I have a mild heart attack if I don't have butter in my house. I get it. Mm. uh, Overrated ingredient.
2: Overrated ingredient. I'm also going to choose a a cooking fat. I think canola oil. Like I, you know, back when canola oil was the thing, I always used to buy it and always used to notice that like when it hits a certain temperature, it gives off a slightly fishy aroma. And then I said, you know, I don't have to buy this. I could buy like the soybean oil, vegetable oil instead. And uh, so that's what I get. And it's, You know, is it a huge difference? No, but I like it better. You know... I like these
0: drama pauses from Molly. uh, Yeah,
1: I'm I'm really... You know, I I want to be sure I'm giving you my most profoundly considered answer. (laughs) You know, I'm going to go with... um... Oh, shoot. This is hard. You
2: don't want to yuck someone's yum, right?
1: Well, yeah, I don't want to yuck someone's yum and... You know, I'm going to, okay, this is, this is, uh, oh God, wow, I'm really wading into dangerous waters here, but I'm going to say smoked paprika.
0: Mm. See, that's nice. I feel
1: like it quickly overpowers things like, you know, definitely serves its perfect purpose in exactly the right place. But so often I see way too much of it used and, and it, it just, I don't always love the taste of it.
0: Yeah. I mean mine is lobster and people look at me like I just canceled Christmas so I think lobster Yeah. Well, afraid, I think you but...
1: did. You did just cancel Christmas.
0: What is the best breakfast you can have?
1: Uh, okay. Uh, Japanese breakfast. So, Matthew and I went to Tokyo together for a week in October of 2017 and the first the first night we were there we stayed in a ryokan in in Tokyo and had breakfast at the the hotel the next morning. And it was like a little fillet of, I think, probably like mackerel. It was almost like a sardine, actually. Yeah, it was it was almost like a sardine, like a little grilled sardine, miso soup, rice. There was I don't think there was natto that day. I think maybe some sort of pickle. I don't remember what else was there, but it was like everything I wanted. And it continues to be everything I want every day.
2: That is definitely my second favorite. My number one would be the thing I had for breakfast this morning, which is reheated leftover pizza. You're a brave nice. man. That that required a lot of bravery to eat that <laughs> leftover pizza.
0: What is the strangest combination food wise when people put two or three ingredients together that you, you just cannot accept? And what do you do that other people look at you? It's like, oh, really? Hmm.
1: Okay, I'm going to I've got this. So my spouse loves sour cream in a way that I just cannot get my head around. So my spouse grew up in a a Korean American family. They always had rice around. And so my spouse really loves to have rice, leftover rice at any temperature. But, you know, they'll warm it up a little bit, but they will eat cold leftover rice. Um, Leftover rice warmed up like with like salsa and sour cream sometimes, like just blopped on it. And I, I can't imagine anything worse. It's so like texturally wrong for me. I, I, I can't do it. I think that the root of the problem here is that I cannot handle sour cream. I, I, I don't like it.
2: All right. So here, here's the problem with this for me is that like there are some really common, widely beloved foods that I've just never been able to handle. And the ones that come to mind are ketchup and mustard. And like I can I can sometimes deal with like a fancy mustard, but like a French's yellow mustard. So like the the idea of eating a you know, I love hamburgers. The idea of eating a burger with ketchup and mustard, like I almost can't think of anything worse. And I realize this means like I've just revealed that I just arrived from another planet because like, how could anyone dislike that? But hey,
0: mixed together, nothing separate together doesn't matter.
2: I don't like either of them. Okay, well, it's okay, man. <laughs> um, mixed mixed together sounds worse than than either of them separately, though. Like if this is going to be some sort of fear factor food challenge. Okay. Um, okay. But then, like the thing that I've been doing that I think is probably weird is uh, a while back, just because we kind of ran out of ideas, we did an episode on peanut butter powder, which is like you know it's pitched as kind of like a like a health food, uh, and it's like defatted dried peanuts that have been ground finely into a like flour, like powder. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be gross. And we're just going to have like an episode about how we don't like this thing that we didn't have to eat anyway. It was so good. And like, I think it is now my number one favorite ice cream topping. Like you take a chocolate or vanilla ice cream, sprinkle peanut butter powder on there. It has so much flavor. You kind of mush it together and stir it in like you're a child. Doesn't get any better than that.
0: How about you, Molly? Is there something you've been doing that people like?
1: Um, nothing that I can think of. That can, that can I tell you I think something is weird that I do? Super yeah. weird. Yes, please. So I,
0: give, I, 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 just said this last week's episode. I always microwave my cereal.
1: Whoa! Like, like, like dry cereal with milk. Like, yes. Okay, yeah. and then thirty ha- seconds. Thirty seconds. So, what temperature does it get to? Like.
0: It just I, mean, I, I always struggle with I, I always I grew up with very sensitive teeth so anything very hot or very cold I okay is that shock for me so the 30 second kind of breaks down slightly the temperature of the milk but I I mean since I remember as a person I always always microwave like there's not an option not microwaving my cereal
2: in, wow. in oh. Japanese that's called having a cat's tongue see that's exactly oh, what ha- I'm having
1: having, <laughs> having like sensitive mouth I think that's that
2: way specifically being sensitive to hot temperatures. Cat's okay.
1: Um,
0: that could be my stripper only... name one day. I'm, going to, tell, Good, I'm yes. going to say, Matt. You told me one day I'm Catstung. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Molly?
1: Well, I don't. I, I don't think I really have anything in particular. But one thing that I've become aware of as I've gotten older is that. Um, So, Matthew, I remember the first time so you went when when we did our apple episode a really long time ago, I remember being shocked by how quickly you were like, Oh, this apple is really filling. And you were like, I can never (laughs) finish a full apple.
2: I don't remember this at all. (laughs) Then why did I say I would bring apples to my island? This is well, because maybe because
1: you find them really filling and satisfying. Ever since then I've been aware that like I can eat a giant apple and like pound it in like 30 seconds. I feel like it's like not very special, but I've noticed this with my my spouse, too. Like they can only really eat like half an apple at a time. What is it with you? Hey, people? What's going on? You know,
2: what? I was going to try and deny this, but I'm now imagining myself like like you're like I'm like Apple. That sounds like a good snack. Maybe I'll grab one after this podcast and going into the apple drawer. And I always try and like rummage around for a smaller apple. <laughs>
1: oh my God, I try to always get like the biggest <laughs> apple and then like to get as much of it as I can when I why like...
2: why we work so well together. You get the big apples, I get the small apples. But also Matt
0: doesn't anyway. like fruit in general, so... That's
1: true. Well, yeah, you're, That's, yeah, that's you're why. Maybe it's like a
0: sacrifice first. he's doing, right? Every every bite, it's like, ugh. <laughs> so the name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that exceeded expectations. In your personal life, or professional life, or as the podcast together, do you think you'd be turning more chickens
2: or breaking more dishes? I mean, I, I'd always That's rather the be That's the seen as exceeding expectations.
1: But I think that I think I'm just turning chickens.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like it's uh, I'm not I'm not allowed to say whether I'm exceeding expectations because they're That's not true. my expectations, you know, like. And also like I was I was about it. to
2: say, well, you're exceeding my expectations. But that sounds like more of a more of a criticism than a compliment. That's
1: yeah, true. Molly, I expect so little <laughs> of you <laughs> that
2: you are every day.
0: At the end of the podcast, I always tell my guests to sell their fish. That's another other Portuguese phrase. If someone tells you to sell your fish, that means to talk about yourself again. Oh, together, that's great. Together, separate. You know, what's in the future for you, where people can find you, where people can listen to podcast. If there's any writing projects for both of you, just both of
2: you sell your fish.
1: How about we collaborate on selling each other's fish? Do, right. should we, there you go, Molly. Who should, whose fish should be sold first?
2: <laughs> well, Molly has a wonderful memoir called The Fixed Stars that is available wherever books are sold.
1: And it's coming out in paperback this August, August 2021. And um, and I also teach memoir and personal narrative. It, well, I used to do it in person all over the U.S., but now I do it online, too. So, yeah,
2: that's what Weisenberg dot com. You can oh, see thank what's, you, what's on. Yeah, offer I was like, in- Molly,
0: are you going to sell any uh, of Matthew's fish or no?
1: Ah uh, yes, I'm going to sell yeah. some of Matthew's Ma- fish. Mash- wow, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to mash up Matthew's fish and spoon feed it to you. Here's the thing: so Matthew, I think that Matthew, my favorite book of Matthew's. Matthew, is this going to make you cringe? No, it's fine. My my favorite book of Matthew's is Our Secret Better Lives, which I don't know how many people know about. It's a YA novel, actually. And um, anyway, it is out in the world. You can get it on Amazon and all kinds of other places where books are sold. And I love it, as well as Pretty Good Number One, which maybe that's tied with my favorite of your books. For anyone traveling to Tokyo for the first time or the 10th time, not only will you learn a tremendous amount, but it will make you Hungry,
2: Perfect. and our podcast is called Spilled Milk, and it comes out every Thursday. And you can get it for free wherever you get podcasts.
0: Before we go, two important questions for both of you: What's for lunch since it's early there?
1: Yes, I know. What's for lunch? Uh, leftover pasta that I made last night, which was um, cavatappi with a sauce that is um, bacon, tomato, onions, parsley, chickpeas—all kind of cooked together. It was really delicious.
2: That sounds nice. good. Mine is also pasta because I have some leftover like homemade pizza sauce and some uh, Italian bulk Italian sausage from some recent pizza making. It's all and so i about pizza
0: with you. Yeah,
2: it well, is all about pizzas, pizza a lot of pizza time, time, yeah.
0: pizza sauce. OK,
2: yeah, I'm just making more use of pizza related leftovers. So I'm going to cook off the uh, sausage, uh, throw it into the tomato sauce and uh, see what's in the pasta drawer. Some half used bag of pasta. And that's going to be lunch. Perfect.
0: If you could choose one Portuguese word that you would like to 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 learn, what would it be?
2: Just one word. Oh, that's a good question. Um, sarcasm.
0: No, see that one is easy. Sarcasm. It's exactly the same, but you add a O. But yes, sarcasmo. Sarcasmo. There you go. See, Matthew. What's your
1: Salted butter.
0: Mantega, which is butter, Consal sal with salt.
1: Mantega consal. sal. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, okay. you, you going on the verge of the Spanish. I got to bring oh, you back God, a little I'm bit. I'm sorry. i Got to bring you back I... slightly. It's okay. We can do this. It's fine. Okay. 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 Say con it again. Sal. Say
1: it again. I, I, I'll, I'll try to do better.
0: Mantega Consal.
1: Mantega Consal. There you go. Now, now you're just being nice to me. You're just. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no,
2: I have to. Yeah, I have to. But anyway, you've uh... exceeded expectations.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you.
2: Thank
0: you very much, both of you, for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. This was a pleasure. I hope I didn't bother you too much. And if I ever go to the West Coast, which I was telling Matt off the record, I haven't gone yet, and I've been living in the US for 10 years. I'll let you know.
1: All right. Please come visit. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you very much. Have a great day, both of you.
2: You too. Thanks again.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you very much Matt and Molly for coming on the podcast. Don't forget check out Spilled Milk on every platform you can find your podcasts. It's perfect cuz their podcast comes on on Thursday. This podcast comes on on Wednesday, so it's a win-win for everyone. Don't forget to follow the Instagram page of the podcast Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes. Follow the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash dmartins. If you want to send me an email with suggestions, with complaints, with something, you can do so to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. I'll be back next week. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're safe. Adeus.